0: and welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, Christian voice in your home. Now, Francis and I have a uh, interesting topic to bring you today. It's a virtue. It's the greatest virtue, uh, at least was for Saint Teresa of Avila, as it relates to um, our entering into a deeper. Prayer Live. Now, Francis, you had a specific title you wanted to uh, give to this program, and frankly, as you just shared it with me, I don't remember it. So I'm <laughs> okay. going to first of all say hi to you. How are you?
1: <laughs> I, I'm glad to be here with you. And <laughs> our our title for this program is Humility, the Bedrock of Prayer and Spiritual Growth.
0: Well, that's an appropriate title because, as I say, uh, Teresa of Avila um, would have advocated did advocate in both writing and in her counsel to her sister's Humility as the premier virtue that would allow us to enter into prayer. And so we're going to talk about humility in perhaps a deeper way than uh, most of our listeners may be familiar with it um, and also link that to uh, prayer as St. Teresa does. But let us begin as we do each week by entering into prayer ourselves, and we'd ask you to join us. Francis, would you lead us in prayer, please?
1: Yes, and this comes from St. Teresa of Avila, and it is found in the book Divine Intimacy by Father Gabriel St. Mary Magdalene on the chapter about humility. The first section is from Teresa, and then Father Gabriel finishes the prayer. So let us get recollected and begin. In the most powerful name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh my God, you make me realize how far I must descend in order that my heart may serve as a dwelling place for you. I must become so poor that I have no place whereon to lay my head. My heart is not wholly emptied of self, and that is why you order me to descend, Oh, I want to descend much lower so that you will be able to rest your divine head in my heart and know that there you are loved and understood. O oh, sweet divine guest, you know my misery. That is why you come to me in the hope of finding an empty tabernacle, a heart wholly emptied of self. This is all you ask. Oh, Lord, help me to excavate In my poor soul, that abyss of humility, which will attract the abyss of your infinite mercies. Help me to descend, although my pride seeks to rise. Help me to recognize and humbly confess my nothingness and my weakness, although my pride desires so much to have me esteemed as something great. Help me to glory in my infirmities, although my pride always tends to glory in what is not mine, but your free gift. How true it is, O God, that grace follows an entirely different road from that of nature. Give me the strength to travel on this way with courage, to swim against the current, the muddy, treacherous current of my pride. How can I succeed if you do not come to help me? But I trust in you, Lord, because I know that you are always ready to uphold the weak who have recourse to you with trust, because I know that if my pride is great, your mercy is infinite and your omnipotence is invincible because I know that if anyone is an inactive man that wants help, is very weak in ability and full of poverty, your eyes look upon him for good and lifts him up from his low estate and exalts his head as found in Sirach. O oh Lord, who is more full of poverty than I who have not yet conquered my pride? Who then is in greater need of your help? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
2: Amen. Amen. <laughs>
0: well, thank you, Francis. That is a good introduction to uh, this discussion about humility, the importance of humility in prayer. And We have some other quotes um, that I think are important that help to sort of set the stage here. Then um, I'm going to begin with one by St. John of the Cross, uh, talking about this virtue of humility. He says, To be taken with love for a soul. God does not look on its greatness, but the greatness of its humility. You know, this is difficult, I think, for many of us as we begin to enter the spiritual journey and we think about um, what progress might look like for many, just realizing that progress can be made in the spiritual journey and in the life of prayer uh, in itself is a revelation. But um, uh, most often we begin by thinking about, achievement and success and the effort that we have to make for these things. Um, And we don't, I think, um, immediately think about the importance of humility, as Teresa Vavala just said in the prayer that you opened with making ourselves smaller, making ourselves less important. You responded to an email I sent recently by telling me you're nothing in Carmel, And my first reaction was, Oh my goodness, what, what did I do? Uh, But, but I realize, of course, you're, uh, citing a, a, a great um, you know, truth about ourselves that we have to be nothing in order for God to fill us. And that's the importance of this uh, virtue of humility that we're going to discuss today.
1: Well, that leads right into the next quote about pride. This comes from St. Augustine. It was pride that changed angels into devils. And it is humility that makes men as angels. I really like that one. And then he goes on. Humility is the foundation of all the other virtues. Hence, in the soul in which this virtue does not exist, there cannot be any other virtue except in mere appearance. And and I know Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene said, humility is to charity what the foundation is to a, a building. So you, you've got to have humility as the bedrock, hence the title of our talk, (laughs) Humility, the Bedrock of Prayer and Spiritual Growth. Without humility, as St. Augustine said, any other virtue um, is only there by appearance. You must have that bedrock of humility.
0: Yeah, and I like the idea of foundation. Interestingly, I read an article recently, you may have read a similar one, it was just a reflection, and it talked about the three... um, critical elements to the foundation of our spiritual life. The first being humility. The second is purity. And this is, of course, purity in its deepest sense, pure in the way the Blessed Mother is pure. Her heart was pure, not just her body, but her heart was not distracted by the things of the world. And, of course, those build the foundation for charity. So it is a, a critical uh, series of stepping stones, if you will. But we first have to understand humility. Humility is not, as we so often think, um, humiliation or diminishment or somehow putting ourselves, making ourselves uh, walking mats for other people. That's not uh, an accurate spiritual understanding of humility. I want to close the beginning of our conversation here on the quotes anyway, with this quote from St. Teresa of Avila. There's more value, she says, in a little study of humility and in a single act of it, than in all the knowledge of the world. So we're going to try to share today, Francis, a little bit of the knowledge of humility, a little deeper understanding of it, and we hope it will encourage our listeners then uh, to take up the action of practicing humility. And again, as I say, humility is not, as we so often in our society presume, associated with humiliation or diminishment. It is, as St. Teresa says in the very next statement, Humility is truth.
1: Right. And so we're going to start this little study of humility like St. Teresa suggests that we do in that last quote. Um, and we think of humility and its double basis of both truth and justice. Truth facilitates seeing ourselves as we really are. And justice leads us to act according to that perception. These two elements Truth and justice appear in in the classical definition of St. Teresa of Avila, where she says humility is to walk in truth. Now, the reason why we have both of those, first, humility is truth, the truth about ourselves and our dependence on God, and of course the closer you are to God, the more you see who he is, and you see who you are in relationship to him, which is all part of uh, what Teresa of Avila talks about in prayer. We need to know who we're talking to, what we're saying, and who we are in relationship to the person we're talking to. So Humility is the truth about ourselves and our dependence on God. So we should continually be striving to learn about ourselves, the truth about ourselves, so that we know ourselves, and therefore we will know our place and where God is in, our, in ourselves.
0: You know, and I, I want to just temper what I said a moment ago about humiliation. Of course, uh, humility, the act of humility, the virtue of humility, shouldn't lead us to humiliation, but... Nonetheless, there are those stages as we begin to come to a deeper understanding of who we are as human beings with all of our faults and follies and who God is. There are times of discouragement there, there are times of uh, struggle uh, when we realize how far away from God we really are as his creatures, and more importantly, how far we are from what he aspires us to be. And there is where humility uh, becomes important. And again, as you say, it's a truth. It is strength. um, It is a foundation for all that will follow. But we must be able to understand this idea of humility, where we are in relation to God and our dependence on him.
1: Well, the second point and her definition was humility is to walk. Well, what does she mean by this? Well, to walk means to act and to act as we should. Because after we acknowledge the truth about ourselves, then we must be consistent making our actions match the reality of our condition. And as I was reading this, um, I was thinking of her walking stick, (laughs) you know, it's been traveling around, um, uh, in this past year because it was the fifth centenary of her birth. And so the, her walking stick has been going around. And so there's a lot been written about walking (laughs) with Teresa. Um, One more thing here, and this is from John of the Cross from uh, the ascent of Mount Carmel. He says, when at last the spiritual man comes to be reduced to nothing, remember that, when we come to be reduced to nothing, which will be the greatest extreme of humility... Spiritual union will be wrought between the soul and God. So for all of you out there who are yearning to have this union with God that Teresa and John and Therese have all talked about, the seventh mansion transformation of the soul, um, you've got to be reduced to the most extreme um, of humility in order for that to happen. And that is in a in the spiritual sense, and it may manifest Physically, uh, emotionally, and and, in all kinds of ways, God knows how it will best work for us. But we need to know we are totally dependent on God. And all of the gifts that we have, even of speaking, (laughs) of hearing, of seeing, all these, these different gifts are coming from God.
0: You know, I want to go back to your statement, the use of the statement from Teresa of Avila. Humility is truth. It is truth that is revealed through this continuous interaction through prayer, of course, contemplative prayer, that God reveals himself, that he begins to show us our true selves, weak and uh, broken as we so often are. But it is where the healing process begins. And as you say, it opens us up to that deeper intimacy with the Lord when we realize, Our dependency on them. And there are some good ways to begin here. For example, we should begin to struggle and ask ourselves a few questions. Um, Even in the spiritual journey, what are we attached to? What is it that attracts our attention? Is it justice that we genuinely seek? Do we really want uh, the scales of justice to be? Um, uh, balanced out if you will or are we seeking self-righteousness are we seeking ourselves? so often and we've discussed this as we begin to move in the spiritual journey all the faults and and, uh, deficiencies of our character that we experienced while we were sort of living in the world and motivated by the things of the world will initially manifest themselves in our spiritual journey and so we wouldn't be surprised to find ourselves if we had attachment to material things to then finding attachment to religion objects and such that we couldn't uh, divorce ourselves from owning the exact rosary or the certain print that we wanted. These are the things that in humility, we've got to understand about ourselves and be able to deal with. Is it in a second question, peace for all that we are uh, aspiring to, or is it possession for ourselves? Is it something we want to gain, we want to achieve? There's a great uh, line in the last uh, line of a prayer by, uh, I believe it's Cardinal Mercier, about God make me as holy as you intended me to be. I'm paraphrasing, Mm -hmm. but, and somebody asked me about that one time, why would God limit us, you know, in in any way, um, you know, uh, to this idea of humility? In fact, it's the litany of humility, and I think I have the author wrong, but, um, you know, why would God limit us? Of course he's not, what he's trying to do is open us up to the experience of his being able to fill us with everything that he wants to give us, and so we have to struggle with this idea. Is my pursuit of the spiritual journey simply for myself? Uh, thirdly, is it an opportunity for everyone I am dedicated to or finding a platform upon which I can grow my own fame? Francis, you and I have struggled with this. We've talked about this, how uh, being brought into the public sphere, as we so often are with the presentations that we give with the radio program and so many other ways that we are in the sort of public uh, context. I find myself at times wishing that we didn't have any of these things to do because there's a balance that has to be struck. You know, We ask ourselves, well, are we doing all right? Are we accepted? Are the programs going well? Are our presentations that we're asked to give in various forms of those being accepted? And you struggle with that public uh, uh, presence while at the same time wanting to do the Lord's work in all cases. So uh, which of the two motivates us? Finally, Teresa of Avila struggled prayerfully and honestly with these very same questions. Her writings, or relationships with Jesus speak to us, and they can help us to understand where we are. This is what the saints do for us. They help us gain context. They give us an experience through their own experience of what some of the pitfalls might be, and that's why it is so beneficial to have a guide like St. Teresa of Avila teaching us about humility.
1: And that leads into um, a rather long quote from Teresa that leads into what is true humility. And I'd like to read that full quote. It's from The Way of Perfection. And then if, Mark, you wouldn't mind commenting on it um, when we get to the end of it. She says, once we have detached ourselves from the world... And from our kinsfolk and our cloistered here, and we can even think of uh, the OCDS once you've made your promise. <laughs> all right, you're not off the hook. That's the point here. Um, it must look as if we have done everything and there's nothing left with which we have to contend. But, oh, my sisters, do not feel secure and fall asleep, or you will be like a man who goes to bed quite peacefully after bolting all his doors for fear of thieves, When the thieves are already in his house. (laughs) So (laughs) beware. (laughs) We ourselves must take great care and each of us look well to it that she renounces her self-will, which is the most important business of all. May we withdraw our affections from trivial things and fix them upon what will never come to an end. His majesty will help us to do this. He has granted us the great favor of providing that in this house, most of it is already done, but it remains for us to become detached from our own selves. So that's very important, detached from our self-will. It is here that true humility can enter. This virtue, humility, and that of detachment from self are two sisters. I want to say that again. It is here that true humility can enter. This virtue, humility, and that of detachment from self are two sisters. You must embrace them For they deliver us from all the snares and entanglements laid by the devil. Humility and detachment were dearly loved by our Lord Jesus Christ. He was never for a moment without them. Let what was true for him be true for us.
0: Of course, that's from the way of perfection pages 88 and 89, depending on your particular version. But um, what Teresa is talking about here, of course, is entering into the cloister, putting ourselves behind the door that we may pray behind each day, is a certainly a beginning and an important beginning, but it is not sufficient. She's talking about closing ourselves within ourselves, uh, seeking the Lord within, and true humility is found in the exercise of, uh, of this relationship with the lord where he will help us to renounce our self will. You know this is uh, sounds very simple on the surface detachment, movement away from some relationships we might have, putting aside um you know um uh, entertainments and recreations that we may have enjoyed in the past. These sound relatively simple. They are really just sort of the window fixings if you will that that are the deeper Uh, Hide, if you will, the deeper uh, work that Teresa is telling us that we must do. It is not simply cloistering ourselves or detaching ourselves in a material way, but it is, in fact, detaching ourselves from ourself, you ask that we read it again. These are the uh, the, the two sisters, virtue of humility and detachment from self. What does that mean? I am no longer motivated, driven by my own will. I'm only driven by charity toward others. I'm no longer driven by my desires. By the way, I think things should work out. This is one of the ways the Lord works with us. He'll disrupt our apple cart, if you will, because he wants us to dispense with expectations as to how the details of our life should work out. We so often struggle and we wonder, why is it that God is introducing this? Why is he allowing this to happen? It may be for no other reason that he wants us to stop setting expectations and defining the way that our spiritual journey should work and the path that it should take. He does that by sometimes disrupting our plans. And it allows us, if we are sufficiently mature in humility, to detach ourselves from ourself uh, and not set those expectations.
1: And I also like to add here where this detachment from our self will leads into a true obedience uh, because obedience is going under the authority of a superior. And even sometimes (laughs) when they're not a superior, I mean, when Christ was before Herod, um, you know, Christ is is the God man and yet he is um, humbled and obedient under Herod and um, it, it speaks a lot to us about the strength of humility and the strength it takes to renounce self-will, to obey another's will over your own will. Um, so this is very important for us to to keep this into context here. Um, there's this one paragraph here that Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene wrote that I, I wanted to bring out before we move on. He says, "...the higher the ideal of sanctity to which we aspire..." The more sublime the end toward which we tend, the more we will have to descend and excavate in ourselves the fertile abyss of humility. I'm just thinking about that. Excavate in ourselves the fertile abyss of humility. Almost reminds me of Blessed Elizabeth the Trinity, Mm -hmm. who soon will be a saint. The abyss of humility calls to the abyss of infinite mercy, of grace, and of the divine gifts. For God resisteth the proud, but to the humble he giveth grace. That's from 1 Peter chapter 5. We must humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, sincerely recognize our nothingness, take account of our poverty, and if we wish to glorify ourselves, we must glory like St. Paul, solely In our infirmities. That's the safe way, right? (laughs) Glory in your infirmities. It is only in our weakness, humbly acknowledge that grace and divine virtue, um, virtue work and triumph.
0: Well, you know, it raises another important point, and frankly, Francis, you have been uh, stressing this in our monthly gathering of the continuing formation, ongoing formation group, um, that we sometimes, for those of us who have been in Carmel for 8, 910 years, I don't know in your case uh, how long that's been, I won't presume what the answer <laughs> is, and you don't need to share, but that's okay, Um the uh, fact is that we can sometimes, uh, lose track of this. We think that progress is, is based on, you know, our intellectual acquisition, the amount of books we've read. Oh, we know so much about prayer and we spend so much time in prayer. Or we maybe have conquered the, the challenge of fasting and we can very easily slip into that, um, you know, sort of not pride as much as self-satisfaction. We become okay with ourselves. We think, I'm doing okay on this whole (laughs) spiritual journey. And believe me, that's the moment we open ourselves for Satan's entry into the discussion, because um, that's exactly the open door that he's looking for. You'll find that for those who have been in the spiritual journey for many, many years and, and really are in that more intimate relationship with God, a degree of humility that would be unrecognizable to most of us, and you would look at someone and say, well, this is a great person. They've written books. They've spoken in so many forums. uh I know they have an active prayer life, and you might be taken aback by the fact that um, that person would be the humblest person person in a community of, uh, uh, of uh, other uh, members, other believers, and so forth. Um, that's what's called for. And so we have to be careful, especially as we mature and have spent more time in, in uh, the spiritual journey that we continuously practice humi- humility. And Tari-
1: that makes me think, you know, that's something I'm always looking at um, in my own self, is is pride and humility Um, both pride outwardly and that the spiritual pride that's Is so insidious and it's hard to detect. Um, and we really need to pray for the Lord to open our eyes because we're blind. And this is where spiritual direction really comes in handy because we can fool ourselves. Um, but when we speak to another and then they bring that up, you know, a lot of people, their first response is defense mechanism. You know, I don't know. I'm not like that. I don't have that. But you know, really we should look deeper in ourselves and see if maybe we are fooling ourselves. If there's something in us that does need to bring the light of Christ in that does need healing. This is for our betterment. So when somebody does say something like that, we should think twice about what they're saying and not just dismiss it, um, which, you know, uh, most people um, tend to, you know, if you don't say something nice about me, then, I, you know, I'm not going to listen to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, These are experiences that God will bring into our life to teach us. He will show us through the words and the actions of those around us in our life. This is why we live the common life. I mean, we we talk so often, Francis, about the fact that this program is really fundamentally about living the contemplative life in the world. Well, it is the world that will teach us. I'm always always amazed by people who say, well, oh, I could be a saint if I just went and lived in a cloister and, you know, put myself in a cave somewhere. I know I could be a saint. And I always want to say to those people, well, then go do it. Go do it. Go ahead. See how well it works out for you. But the truth of the matter is, um, spiritual pride is the last bastion of um, you know, Satan's attempt to to cause us to fall. It is really the last phase that he has. And
1: why does he like that so much? <laughs> well, I, I think because he owns it so much. Right. Exactly you know, that's why right. he's, uh, he was released from heaven. He was kicked <laughs> out of heaven. <laughs> it's his pride. So.
0: Well, we're going to come back uh, in a few moments, and we'll talk about this um Uh, humility, the essential key to holiness, and humility during time of trials. Those are important lessons that uh, St. Teresa still has to teach us on. A reminder, you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We'll be right back.
2: This night is rising on your soul It feels just like the sky is made of stone But you are not alone You are not alone He's in the valley of your pain He's in the shadow
0: Welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, Christian voice in your home. Francis and I are in a conversation this week about the virtue of humility and the importance of humility as the foundation for all of our prayer life, and frankly, the foundation for the spiritual journey. It is the first and most important building block uh, that leads us to all the other virtues, according to St. Teresa. And so we want to hear uh, what it is that she has to teach us on this most important. Of virtue. One of the things that she tells her sisters in uh, Carmel is, and I'll quote her pay great attention, she says, my daughters, to this point which I shall now make, because sometimes thinking yourselves so wicked may in, it fa- in fact be humility and virtue, and at other times it might simply be a great temptation. We talked about that a little bit, Francis. Right. I have had the experience, she says, of this, so I know it is true. Humility, however, deep it may be, neither disquiets nor troubles nor disturbs the soul. It is accompanied by peace, joy, and tranquility. This is so important, Francis. I think we should stop here for a moment in the midst of this quote. Um, you know, you'll be lying awake at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and you'll find yourself going back over uh, either a, an event that might have occurred that very day or circumstances in your life uh, that perhaps you're not particularly proud of and would uh, prefer that the vast majority of people who know you weren't aware of it. Uh, we all know what these uh, events are. And what Teresa's saying is if that's disrupting your soul, if it's bringing you fear and anxiety or um consternation of any kind, that is not from God. That is from Satan. That is the enemy attacking you and using the sins that unfortunately you've put at his disposal, those are his weapons, using those then uh, um, against you as a means of disrupting um, your peace, your tranquility, your joy. What Teresa is telling us here is that real humility, true humility, leads to peace, joy, and tranquility. Yes, we'll understand, and we can be disturbed by the very fact that we have not lived up to God's expectations, but at the same time we experience the, um, the understanding of his mercy, of his, of his acceptance, of his love, and we are not uh, discouraged by the realization of our, of our own deficiencies of character or whatever they, they, however they may manifest themselves.
1: So that really is a great statement for discernment that humility neither disquiets nor troubles nor disturbs the soul is accompanied by peace, joy, and tranquility. So that's great for discernment. She goes on to say, although on realizing how wicked we are, we can see clearly that we deserve to be in hell and are distressed by our sinfulness and rightly think that everyone should hate us. Yet, if our humility is true, This distress is accompanied, so you might be distressed on the outside, okay? This distress is accompanied by an interior peace and joy of which we should not like to be deprived. Far from disturbing or depressing the soul, it enlarges it and makes it fit to serve God better. The other kind of distress only disturbs and upsets the mind and troubles the soul, so grievous it is. I think the devil's anxious for us to believe that we are humble. And if he can, to lead us to distrust God. Can you imagine what you might be thinking if you're having these emotions going on? And yeah, you start to lose your trust.
0: And that's exactly it. We lose our trust in God. We lose our faith in God. What's happened, in effect, is that we put our faith back in ourselves. we realize our deficiency, and we become disturbed by that. Now, again, as St. Teresa of Avila is stressing here, there can be moments of distress, but they have to be accompanied by interior peace and joy. How do we re- acquire that if we've lost it how do we reacquaint ourselves in in such a way that we find that interior peace through faith we have to turn back to scripture verses we have to remember that god has already redeemed us through through the work of of jesus christ the redemptive work of our lord we have been redeemed we are forgiven everything that may have distanced us from our lord has been um resolved and all we have to do in humility is seek that reconciliation. Ask the Lord for forgiveness. Acknowledge in humility our deficiency and ask him and know that it's been granted. It's already been granted. Our sins are forgiven before we even ask. It's the healing that needs to take place. And that healing is best affected initially through the act of humility.
1: Right. And when we say we're sorry, that contrite heart is like a magnet to the Lord. <laughs> you know, humility trumps the King. Let's just remember that. And we're going to, we're going to repeat a few of our, our um, quotes here in, in one way or another, just to try to emphasize the point. So uh, that's purposely done here, but we're going to continue on with Teresa. When she says, when you find yourselves in this state, you know, where where you're distressed, cease thinking, so far as you can of your own wretchedness. So get your attention off yourself and think of the mercy of God and of his love and his sufferings for us. So here is a key strategy for us. When you find yourself troubled, disturbed, um, you're tossing and turning in your mind, all these things, try as far as you can to Get your mind off self and your wretchedness, and then in turn, keep your eyes on Christ. Think of the mercy of God, of his love, and his sufferings for us. If your state of mind is the result of temptation, you will be unable to do even this, for it will not allow you to quiet your thoughts or to fix them on anything, but will only weary you the more. It will be a great thing. If you can recognize it as a temptation, I think I'd get the holy water out right then, too.
0: Absolutely. That's a great, great point I was going to make. Bring out the holy water. When you know it's a temptation, and again, I say this so often happens to me in the middle of the night, and you're feeling that discouragement and that you know heavy weight on yourself, if you can discern that it is a temptation, begin prayer. Yes. Get out your holy water, make Make the sign sign of the the cross, (laughs) anything to stave off the attack, but don't fall victim to the discouragement.
1: This is what happens when we perform excessive penances in order to make ourselves believe that because of what we're doing, we are more penitent than others. If we conceal our penances from our confessor or superior, or if we are told to give them up and do not obey, that is a clear case of temptation. I guess we don't have that one in the world too much, right? (laughs) Always try to obey however much it may hurt you to do so, for that is the greatest possible perfection. So obedience, again, coming in here with humility. They're partnering together with detachment and charity.
0: You know, this one always reminds me of... um the, the analogy of going to the doctor, right? And you go to your doctor and you say, I need your best advice. And he says, well, I want you to take this and I don't want you taking those pills anymore. And you go home and say, you know what? He doesn't know what he's talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to just take those pills anyway. And so this is what Teresa is saying here. If you have taken control of your spiritual journey, You have fallen victim to the temptation. That's not humility. It's, in fact, the opposite of it. It's pride. And it's certainly not obedience. What Francis said earlier uh, uh, must be found in in concert with humility is obedience. And we should not presume that just because, uh, you know, it isn't somebody who is in a position of authority over us that the Lord hasn't, in fact, placed that individual in our life, um, whoever it might be. But if we're given good counsel, good spiritual counsel, we must be obedient. Into it and obedience is in fact a practice of humility
1: alright that leads us into humility as the essential key to holiness and Teresa has um, some great advice for us here It's great direction through the interior castle she says humility must always be doing its work like a bee making its honey in the hive without humility all will be lost as I see it we shall never succeed in knowing ourselves unless we seek to know God. And that is part of the uh, motto for the OCDS, the Secular Order of Carmelites. Know God um, so that he may be known. And in knowing God, then we know who we are. Uh, self-knowledge, she continues to tell us, to grow in our self-knowledge. So... Um, she says, As I see it, we shall never succeed in knowing ourselves unless we seek to know God. Let us think of His greatness and then come back to our own baseness. By looking at His purity, we shall see our foulness. By meditating upon His humility, we shall see how far we are from being humble. So, so there's are three ways you can do tonight in your prayer, reflecting on on God's greatness and your baseness, his purity and your foulness, uh, his humility and, uh, and your lack of humility. There are two advantages to this, and here they are. First, it is clear that anything white looks very much whiter against something black, <laughs> just as the black looks blacker against the white. So a big contrast there, okay? Big contrast between you, the soul, and God. Secondly, if we turn from self toward God, our understanding and our will become nobler and ready to embrace all that is good. If we never rise above the slough of our own miseries, we do ourselves a great
0: disservice. Yeah, so here... Teresa's talking about pursuit of holiness, the the continuing journey towards holiness and the importance that humility plays in that. Now we're going to see how she talks about the role of humility in the midst of trials. And she tells her sisters again, consider carefully, my daughters, these few things that I have been that, that have been set down here, though they are in a rather jumbled state. She always says that of herself. Mm-hmm. She always accuses herself of of communicating this in a jumbled horses state in her mind
1: yeah. and keep jumping
0: around. <laughs> she says, for I cannot explain them any better. She's very humble in her communication. <laughs> the Lord will make them clear to you, she says, so that these periods of aridity, May teach you to be humble, what we talked about earlier, and not make you restless, which is the aim of the devil. Be sure that where there is true humility, even if God never grants the soul favors, he will give it peace and resignation to his will, with which it may be more content re- th- than others are with favors. For often, as you have read, it is to the weakest that his divine majesty gives favors which I believe they would not exchange for all the fortitude given to those who go forward in aridity. We are fonder for spiritual sweetness than we are for crosses. She's well aware of the spiritual journey. Test us, O Lord, she says, thou who knowest all truth, that we may know ourselves. So she's encouraging us in these trials, in these inevitable um, challenging times that we will all face in our life. Don't lose our humility. Don't lose um, the realization that it may simply be an opportunity for us to grow in grace and fortitude and strength and faith in God. We must remain humble in the midst of our trials. Practice humility first, above all. Practice humility, and we will be able to both stave off the attack of the enemy and grow through the experience of the trial.
1: Now, Mark, you alluded to this earlier, but I want us to get back to it again the difference between humility and the false humility, or or maybe let's just put it out there, the word the masochism, you know, the masochist, the person who wants to, to self-destructive, yeah, 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 self-destructive, yeah, self-destructive behavior. Right. So one who is humble, they live totally confident in God's love and protection. And I sat there and I thought, oh man, I'm going to say that on the radio program today. And I'm looking at it and I'm and I'm challenging myself. When have I been fearful? And then where was God in that? Was I looking at God at that moment or was I looking at myself? And, you know, was I trying to be self-sufficient or was I de- being dependent on God? So that's a really big thing there. One who is humble lives totally confident in God's love and protection. I think we can all grow there. When others insult or or praise them, either way, um, they're not concerned about it. That's the true, humble person, okay? Their identity is not based on how others view them, but on how God views them.
0: Yeah, and alternatively, in this self-destructive mode, uh, the soul gets pleasure from suffering physically or psychological pain inflicted by others or by oneself. It is a psychological defense due to deep emotional wounds. In other words, we may come to believe we deserve uh, to be abused and therefore we accept it. And we find, uh, as strange as it may seem, for instance, we find some sense of consolation in being abused in this way. This, of course, is not true humility this is a very much uh false humility in fact she said the, the article goes on false humility is a burden to the soul genuine humility brings enlightenment to the soul it frees the soul to serve god if what you experience you respond to in true humility you will come out of it with a desire to serve god better to deepen your relationship with him as opposed to um lacking faith in him or being discouraged or ch- or doubting um, his love for you or his um, I- intention to draw you nearer to himself. That, again, is another way for us to discern these various experiences that we may go through and have a deeper understanding of how humility is helping us in that process.
1: Well, Teresa gives us some more counsel in the way of perfection in chapter 39, the first two paragraphs. Now, be on your guard, daughters, against some types of humility given by the devil in which great disquiet is felt about the gravity of our sins. This disturbance can afflict in many ways, even to the point of making one give up receiving communion and practicing private prayer. I know she can speak on that because she gave up her private prayer. For a while And she was duped By the devil On that one And so she's speaking From experience here But where were the Beneficiaries of that
0: and, and Selah I know you know Much more about this Story than I do But I, I am certainly Familiar she gave up Prayer Her contention was That she wasn't Worthy, worthy of it Right, right? That, yeah, that, was that was the was issue The, thing
1: the devil uh, Incited her in You know That she was not Worthy to approach
0: The Lord in private Prayer How many of us Have experienced that Maybe not for a Period of time For Teresa it was how long Francis, uh,
1: mm, I, was it? 18,
0: 18, 18 years? 18
1: or 19.
0: Yeah, uh, but, but maybe even for just a day, you know, we do something or we experience something and we say, oh boy, I'm really, you know, uh, what a terrible person I am. And then we think, well, I should go do my meditation or I should do my rosary. And we'll say to ourselves, no, not today, not today. I'm just not worthy. The Lord doesn't want to hear from me. He doesn't want to see me today. Blessed Mother doesn't want to hear me babbling on. So, <laughs> so we'll refuse to do it. This is the very time we need to take up the mantle and be in that state of prayer, regardless of how we feel about it. That's true humility.
1: Just remember, God loves the prodigal son. (laughs) So when you're feeling like you're not worthy, go to the one who is worthy, because he'll make you more worthy, because he wants you to be with him, in him, and through him. Teresa goes on to say these things, you know, like giving up, receiving communion, or practicing private prayer because you're feeling unworthy. These things are given up because the devil makes one feel unworthy. The situation gets so bad that the soul thinks God has abandoned it because of what it is. It almost doubts his mercy. This is a big, big trial. So if you find yourself in this position, go and speak to a priest. Go speak to someone who you can trust and and get some counsel. Humility, again, does not disturb or disquiet or agitate, however great it may be. It comes with peace, delight, and calm. The devil's aim is to make us think we are humble, and in turn, if possible, make us lose confidence in God. When you find yourselves in this condition, what do we do? We mentioned this before. Do you remember? It's stop thinking about your misery insofar as possible. Turn your thoughts to the mercy of God, to how he loves us and suffered for us.
0: You know, I'm always reminded, I know I've said this before, perhaps a couple of times, even in our program, uh, Conversations, uh, Francis, and that is uh, Catherine of Siena, uh, that famous uh, exercise where, Um, you know, the devil approaches her and and says, oh my, Catherine, you're doing so well in the spiritual journey. You pray, you fast, you do all the right things. And she says back to him, yes, but look at the wretchedness of my life. Look at how how often I failed at God and uh, fulfilling his will. And of course, then Satan turns on her and says, you're right. You're wretched. You're terrible. You're awful. And she says, yes, but look at the mercy of God. (laughs) So uh, he leaves her in frustration. And this is what we've got to do. We've got to sort of parlay, if you will, the attacks. Yes, focus on Uh, on our deficiencies, not so much perhaps our wretchedness, but uh, on those things that we've got to improve and the ways that we have failed to live up to God's expectation. But the minute we become discouraged by that, focus on God's mercy, focus on his promise, focus on the realization that he sent his son to redeem everything that we've done. There's nothing that is beyond redemption for for our God through the uh, uh, effort of his son on the cross. And so we need to stay focused on that and know that he will draw us through. That's humility. That's the practice of humility.
1: Humility. Then as, as we've been talking about it, as you can see is really a sign of great courage and deep spiritual growth. The, the more humble a soul is, the more they have grown and the more courage they have to have gotten to that point in humility there's no fear. Sort of like perfect love casts out all fear. <laughs> so does humility. In humility, there's no timidity. In fact, there's holy boldness. In humility, there's only confidence. But this confidence is not in yourself. It's confidence in God and in God's loving protection. And St. Teresa of, Le, of Le Sue, on in her little way, talks immensely about this kind of surrender and trust and confidence. But that leads us to this um, scripture passage from Peter that I want Mark to read to kind of sum up our discussion on this uh, humility as the bedrock of prayer and spiritual growth. And then I want Mark to tell us a little bit about his upcoming pilgrimage.
0: Well, yes, uh Scripture, we're good Carmelites, right, Francis? So we always ground everything that we talk about in Scripture. It's very important that we do that. And so from 1 Peter 5, 5b-7, through And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud but bestows favor on the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your worries upon him, because he cares for you. That's the important, for me, uh, we've been talking, of course, about humility, but where is it grounded? Cast all your worries upon him, because he cares for you. That is humility, if we understand that all of what we might otherwise try to handle ourselves, through our own uh, activities and so forth, uh, must be cast at the feet of our Lord and relieving, believing uh, that he cares for us and that he will take care of us. I want to just say one quick thing, because you took the time to research this, Francis, and um, you always do such a good job of giving a good counsel for people on, okay, what do I do now? What's the next step? Uh, and that is a series of um, uh, activities for growing in humility. Um, these include intercession. Um, for, uh, Teresa of says, I ask you, my sisters, for the love of the Lord to recommend to His Majesty this poor little thing. Intercede for one another and ask people to pray for you for humility. Meditation, we certainly uh, talk about this continuously. Meditating on the humility of Jesus, meditating on the lives of the saints. Look at uh, the experiences that they've gone through. Teresa herself is a great example. And since, as I have said, she goes on, we recite the Our Father so many times a day, let us delight in it and strive to learn so excellent, a master of humility with which he prays. Along with this path of prayer, she says, self-knowledge, continuously, Teresa advocates self-knowledge, knowing who we are. St. Augustine said, um, God, uh, I, I desire to know who you are and I de- desire to know myself. We must continually pray that. And then, of course, acts of humility, which are found in obedience, uh, refusing to make excuses for ourselves, and making acts of humility um, in our interaction with other people. You know the experience of being frustrated by something somebody says. Let it go. By being insulted by something uh, that you might hear, let it go. All of these individual opportunities, and God will give us plenty of them by by the way, if we ask him, uh, will help us to grow in humility. Well, I want to make one uh, quick note about the pilgrimage that we are uh, still planning for late September, early October. Um, it's to Quebec, to the province of Quebec. We'll go to Montreal. We'll visit uh, Notre Dame. We'll visit the oratory made famous by, um, uh, brother Andre, but St. Andre now, um, we'll visit Quebec city and, uh, um, a shrine to St. Therese of Lisieux, in addition to another a church named for uh, Notre Dame, Our Lady. And then... Um a wonderful cathedral uh, beyond Quebec City known as Saint Anne de Beaupre, which is a beautiful cathedral built on the nickels and dimes of farmers, literally in that, in that uh, a part of the province. I've been there many times and it's a beautiful place. And so I want to encourage you to go to our website. You'll find a link there where you can trigger uh, all of the details associated with the uh, organization running the pilgrimage. And if you can join us, we'd love to have you. I will be giving some conferences. It is uh, all based on Carmelite spirituality, on healing uh and it will be a wonderful time to be in um in that part of of, of um Canada All
1: right. All right with that we'd like to close with our litany of humility this is from cardinal mary deval and it's a famous prayer and i think there's the author <laughs> one,
0: <yes. laughs>
1: the different times that we pray this we can gauge are we growing whether how much this stings our conscience as we pray it um so and i also want to invite everyone to check us out on facebook at carmelite conversations or our um, website, CarmeliteConversations.com. So we, we love hearing from you. So let us pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised. Deliver me Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others. Deliver me Jesus. From the desire of being consulted. Deliver me Jesus. From the desire of being approved. Deliver me Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated. Deliver me Jesus. From the fear of being despised. Deliver me Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumni...
0: calumni How do you say that word? (laughs) Calumniated. Thank you. Lied about, uh, spoken about.
1: I'm humbled. (laughs) (laughs) Deliver me, Jesus. I'm sorry about that. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus, that others may be loved more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may be esteemed more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that in the opinion of the world others may increase and I may decrease. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may be chosen and I set aside. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it, that others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Well, a reminder, you've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Until we're with you again next week, God bless.